Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think there's an opportunity there for, um, you know, work-life balance, which has become quite a big thing, I think. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farm's Advice and let's get into this episode. Welcome to the beginning of this episode, but also the end of Beyond the Tax Return for 2022. Beyond the Tax Return is brought to you from the team at Byfield Business Advisors based over in WA, but they've got a wealth of knowledge. As you may have tuned in, listened in, Right across the year, this year, and also last year, we've had some pretty special topics go across from is it worth changing the land ownership before you die with Justina Falowski, how to start your succession plan with Scott Smith, the federal budget from last year, and we'll have that touching on today, from children returning to back to the farm with Brant Jansen and how that worked out in last year's Harvest Series. We've had 15... Amazing topics. They've all been competing for the most sort of listens in the office. But this content is probably the biggest one out there. And these are great questions that we're sort of answering and putting towards in the farmer's ears. So they have some options to go away and talk to their own professionals in their own sort of circle. Um, but this is the last episode for Beyond the Tax Return. Just thought we would let you know and tune in Um and we'll be touching on the budget for this one. So tune in. Hope you got something out of Beyond the Tax Return for this year, and have a good Christmas from the Byfields team. Before we get started, just to let you know, this episode is intended to be general information only, as the host and the guest do not know your personal circumstances. So 
Please go and talk to your own accountant or the team at Biofields to get the right information for your scenario. Let's get into this episode. Hey, welcome back to the FarmsWise podcast. Great to have you back on and coming into 2023, big sort of budget season. Great to have you on nonetheless. And your contribution throughout the Byfield series has been um, phenomenal last year coming onto the podcast. But what are we going to be doing today? And welcome. Uh, thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the, the federal budget, so the, the Labor budget, which came out on the 25th of um, October. So just talking about what that might mean for farmers. Beautiful. So let's get cracking into the budget and what it means, especially coming from Labor, change of governments as well, um, and how that can transcend into farmers. So was the budget actually an exciting one for us farmers currently? Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, from an accounting and tax point of view, you know, affecting businesses, um, which very much includes farmers, you know, we're probably left with more questions than answers. Um, but on the surface, when you actually look at, you know, a, a bit of their funding and where they're looking to spend some money, I mean, it, it looks like that might be a positive for the regional areas. Um, although I'm very far from being an expert as to how they actually spend that money um, and I guess the process and, and if that is enough money. But on the surface, it, it looks quite positive for the regions. And how like how quickly is this budget going to come across, do you think? Is it going to come a bit to start seeing impact within the regional communities um, or we're going to see it pretty much as a get-go coming 23? Yeah, they seem to be talking about um, delaying some of that spending till 2024. So I don't think it's going to be an immediate um, impact. I mean, some of the things they're talking about spending on is um, housing and, and immigration and trying to bring more people into the regions, which I think is a positive. But um, as we've seen you know, across the board with housing, you know, that's a real issue to get tradies and also materials. So, um, yeah, the impact it, it feels is going to be a slow impact in terms of the benefits there, I think. Yeah, it can't be too drastic, can it? You're not going to get tradies or farmers out into the regions um, overnight, just like in ag, nothing happens overnight. But what sort of announcements were made in terms of funding and where it's going to be sort of directed? There's a fair few sort of topics some farmers hope to have ticked the box off. Uh, some of these ticked off um, through connectivity, probably one of the big ones, black spots, what sort of things were being okay. announced. So they are talking about spending some money on better service and internet in the regional areas. Um, so I think that's always always a positive. Um, and yeah, hope, hopefully they're able to do that and be successful. Um, talking about offering some energy efficient grants. So for small to medium businesses to improve efficiency, reduce emissions and improve the management of power on demand. So it'd be quite interesting to see how they actually roll that out and, you know, what the criteria is um, to be eligible for those grants. Um, they're also talking about some growing region programs to assist local groups and organisations. So again, we don't have a lot of detail on that at the moment, but um, hoping that that's sort of helping, I guess, to, um, with the communities and, and with their projects. Um, and just talking about some infrastructure spending and um, probably one of the major ones is funding to help growing risks of pests and diseases. Um, so, you know, looking at, uh, I guess, the different risk there for farmers and hoping to mitigate that where possible. Yeah, they're pretty rife currently, especially with livestock and broadacre cropping, um, pretty susceptible to the disease level as well. And I think that spending has come across pretty well for farmers um, off the back of that in through 
and protecting us from the border, but also outside of the border. Um, pretty yeah. important. So yeah, the the risk is so huge, isn't it? Um, you know, the impact that can have. So I think that's really important, and probably to increase the education around that as well. Yeah, a bit of a long burner there, but hopefully, and so far, especially for FMD, foot and mouth disease, it's worked quite well. What's going on currently? The way we've sort of reacted. Everyone sort of thought it was a bit slow um, coming in, and I think they've actually put some good barriers up there for it. But talking into how farms can take advantage or the family-friendly budget that's been put in place and the big announcement of extending paid parental leave, how does this play in for farmers? Yeah, I think this one's quite a huge one. So um, the paid parental leave um, is currently um, available to, to people who... Um, uh, are not working. So as soon as you're out of the workforce, you can actually receive paid parental leave as like a supplement for your income, given that you're not working. Um, and we, we've actually seen our clients take advantage of the current paid parental leave, um, which is based on um, currently a, a reduced amount of weeks. So they're talking about increasing that to 26 weeks and currently it's 18. So what we've seen clients do in the past is actually pay themselves wages to the business, yeah. especially people that are trading as trust or companies, and that would therefore make them eligible to receive paid parental leave. So I think sometimes there's this um, sort of thought that, you know, people are receiving drawings, they're not actually, you know, employees, that they're not eligible for paid parental leave, but that's not actually true. So we find that paying wages is the simplest way to be eligible, but um, if you don't actually pay wages, you can actually still apply, but I have done that in the past and it is quite difficult. So I'd strongly recommend anyone who's actually looking to potentially have a, have a child to be paid um, a wage through, through their business um, to make them eligible. And so currently that's worth 14000 um, which, which is quite a significant amount of money, um, but they're talking about increasing that to be 26 weeks, which is actually going to be worth $21,000. So that's a government paid amount. Um, they're also talking about expanding it so a mum and dad can actually receive it at the same time. So previously it was either one or the other that would, was eligible for that paid parental leave. So I guess that's quite exciting to think that you could have you know, a mum and dad taking 13 weeks each at the same time. Um, to spend time with their family. Um, and again, I think there's an opportunity there for farmers to make sure they're set up to receive that benefit if and when the time comes. Um, I guess the flip side is for any, for employers um, that now they're going to have to be very aware that there is a potential that you know more people will be taking paid parental leave than what they have done in the past, given that mum and dad, dad will both be eligible. You know, if you have a mum working on the farm, and she might have previously come back, you know, after a short period of time back into the workforce. Um, she now may extend that leave. So that might create some issues, I think, for businesses that have employees going forward. Yeah, I think so. And then might be a bit of a decision change coming from the employer anyway. Um, but that parental leave is a bit of a positive for young parents, especially for those looking to be retained in regional areas, I'd imagine, um, yeah. right across Australia. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think there's an opportunity there for, um, you know, work-life balance, which has become quite a big thing, I think, um, you know, post-COVID, well, not that we're post it, but, um, you know, everyone's changing maybe their their lifestyle ideas a little bit there. So I think it's a, it's a positive, but it will have to be very carefully managed. 
Absolutely. What about for skilled migrants or even migrants um, incentivizing backpackers to come over for these sort of regional and rural programs to get them in our peak season? So harvest is coming up. Um, some have already started, some are a bit delayed on the East Coast especially. What's mm -hmm. happening in this area? Well, they are talking about, um, you know, actually spending some uh, spending some more money, so some more funding in regards to the migration and actually targeting regional areas there. I mean, I don't think we're going to see that that impact for this this harvest coming, um, given that well, we already have some people that have already started here. Um, but uh, I think all in all, they yeah, they're definitely trying to expand the numbers of people they are coming in to to help fill those voids, but. As, as um, I'm sure on the east coast, we're seeing on the west coast, you know, housing's become a real issue in terms of um, people actually having somewhere to live to be able to work. Yeah, there's definitely a fair few things, topics to be juggling at the moment. Um, recession, we won't name the R word too many times throughout the podcast, but just some things to think about anyway. So the proposed tax cuts were not in the budget, but they're set to come in on the 1st of July 2024. What are these? Yeah. So they, these were the Liberal um, tax cuts. So these were phase three of the tax cuts, which are set to come in on the 1st July 2024, um, which we, we think is a huge positive um, for you know, anyone really earning between 45000 and 200000 will actually pay less tax under these rates. Um, there was a lot of talk pre-budget um, that Labor wouldn't actually go ahead with these tax cuts and that it would be in the budget that they would be getting rid of them, but it actually wasn't covered at all. So from our point of view, we're thinking, well, does that mean they will go ahead as of July 2024 or not? Um, we're obviously still, you know, a fair way away from July 2024. So Labor do, do still have that opportunity to, to decide not to go ahead with them or not. Um, but I guess we can at the moment just say that as good news that hopefully the tax cuts will take place. Beautiful. And we had the episode before talking about temporary full expensing and it got quite good reception anyway, but it wasn't covered in the budget. What does this mean? No, so I was, I feel like all year I've been saying to everyone, we'll find out in the budget what's going to happen with the temporary full expensing and we'll be in contact, we'll send a newsletter, we'll let you know. But they didn't actually cover temporary full expensing at all in the budget. Um, and this one's probably a bit more pressing, I think, than the tax rate changes because as of the 1st of July, 2023, which isn't that long away now, um, and we don't actually know what the rules are. So I guess at the moment we'll just assume um, that they will go back to the old rules, which means really anything that's $1,000 or over will be depreciated yeah. over time. Um, and that, as Jared was covering, you know, we've, we've potentially got some tax issues of um, people that claim the temporary full expensing on their asset purchases and, and what, what's going to happen when they sell or trade those items. Um, and, yeah, this is probably really frustrating that we don't know the answer to this because people are trying to plan now um especially we're trying to actually get any gear actually in is is going to be difficult by 30 june 2023 um but also just you know we're trying to do a bit of tax planning and a bit of work around that and it, it's really difficult to to really sort of factor that in past 30 june 2023 so that was that was disappointing i think that that wasn't in there and and really our hope is that the, the next budget will come out in may 2023 we really just hope we don't have to wait till May to know what's actually going to happen with temporary full expensing and, and hoping something will be announced, um, you know, relatively soon. Would that, like, before the end of the year, an announcement is likely or is it not too much leading into Christmas? 
we don't we don't know so um you know we don't have really any guidance on when that will happen um you, know, you speak to different people and and they think we'll have to wait till may and then others say that surely they'll have to announce something sooner but probably what we've learned jack in the accounting world is that um you know quite often we're dealing with legislation that's actually backdated so we, we just come to not expect anything i think and and just yeah we just have to go with it yeah i think it's quite pivotal um the sort of decisions that get made i sort of tended the podcast to stick away from politics but it actually drives a lot of what we do as farmers and sort of that guidance around what we can do and how you sort of interpret that um, as accountants at Byfields um, right across Australia. We've sort of gathered our own list of what we're looking for guidance for coming into the future, but w- what else was left off the budget for yourselves there? Yeah, so some other pretty major um, accounting and tax issues as well. So um, they've been talking about changes to Division 7A, which um, is applicable for people that have companies and, and make loans within companies. So yep. they're talking about changes to come in there which which have been um you know discussed since 2017 and we're still no clearer since 2017 as to what those new rules might look like um and that would have you know potential major impact on on clients that have a company in their structure or are trading as a company so once again we're sort of just left um you know going with what we know and and we can't really make any assumptions on planning for the future because we're just not really sure um, the other one was um, yeah, there is talk about the capital gains tax rollovers becoming more simplified. So um, the capital gains tax rollovers are, are very complex um, and very, very hard to administer, I think, and hard to interpret. Um, so I think there is talk that they are going to actually you know, spend some time to simplify those. But it, again, that wasn't mentioned in the budget at all either. Um, I mean, that, that's probably not changing our day-to-day because we know what the current rules are. But, um, but yeah, having some changes there might might make more people eligible or might just make it a little bit easier to apply. Um, the other major one is, is 100A. So talking about the trusts and any um, trust allocations that are made within family groups and how they're actually viewed from the tax office. Um, so that's a, a pretty major topic, but we are sort of told that we should have some guidance on that before Christmas. And we probably weren't really expecting that to be in the budget um, because they are waiting on a, a legal case, but um, it probably would have been nice to have something in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what were byfields? What were you keen to actually have in the budget just to wrap this up? Um, and what are you keen to move on? And hopefully we can press these a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, from our point of view, as you mentioned, you know, we like to be planning for our clients. So we like to know what the legislation is to be able to do some really good work there for our clients. And I think it's really difficult to do that when we don't actually know what the legislation is. So we were really hoping that there would be, um, you know, information on the temporary full expensing so we could advise clients with asset purchases and and sales and, and what that might look like. Um, and I think the Division 7A one, it feels like we've been waiting long enough to get some guidance yeah. on that since 2017. Um, so they're probably the key the key items we were we were hoping for. And obviously, we're always happy if if there's some more spending in the regions to advantage our clients and, and us that live in the regions as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. And over in WA, I hear that you're in a surplus. So WA is not doing too bad as well. Yeah, yeah, no, we're doing, I think, I think quite well. I think the mining helps a lot with that. Um, but, um, 
but yeah, obviously we're you know in the in the regions we're, we're struggling with the staffing and and supplies and you know like, like the rest of Australia and probably the world is as well. Absolutely. And looking back at our episode that we did last year about what the budget meant for farmers, it was very sort of neutral, like what this budget has given us not too much to lead on with. And you're still sort of chasing some answers on some questions for farmers so we can start planning ahead. For farmers, I feel as if the last few years been pretty good timing for us to get our stuff together, start planning, start forward planning anyway, that 12 months ahead and then even looking into 72 months ahead, three years and then five years or whatever, and how that can come for yourself. What um, advantages can farmers look towards in the next couple of years, do you think? Yeah, I mean, these potential tax cuts that they're talking about on the 1st of July 2024, I think yeah. will have quite a large impact on, um, you know, on a lot of a, a lot of people really Australia-wide, not just farmers. I think, um, you know, there's a huge advantage there. So that's probably quite exciting. And and I, I guess the budget measures in terms of um, that spending in the regions, if that's effective, I think that's also really, really positive. Absolutely. So, Lee, what would be your number one piece of farms advice you'd like the listener to take away, the farmer on the other end of this audio, to take away from this episode, from the budget, and sort of get their plans together um, for something so they can actually start to move the dial a little bit themselves and not sort of hold on to legislation, waiting for that guidance each time? Yeah, well... I think we, I think the world we live in at the moment, unfortunately, um, you know, we're probably just not going to get given a lot of information in advance. And, and like I said, as accountants, we're probably getting used to that. Um, but I, I think you, you can really just plan given the information that you have. So you need to learn to to do that and, and be flexible. So if, if things change, you need to, you know, be able to adjust. Um, but but we always say to clients, you know, you, you plan on what what you know the information is. So um, you, you can't really necessarily budget for what plants or machinery you're going to buy in five years' time anyway. So, um, I mean, you can have a rough guide, but but we just need to, I think, go with what we know. And if it changes, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and we just be flexible. Absolutely. So quick little wrap-up there for yourself and the take-home message um, for farmers from the budget. What would that be? I think I think yeah the the family friendly budget is what it was labelled at and and that's probably what it comes down to I think you know that probably the one of the major things in the budget was the paid parental leave so I think for those thinking about um, starting a family you know make sure you take advantage of of that that's a huge benefit and and really I guess some of these other legislation things we just need to watch and see what happens yeah well I think it might go a long way in helping these younger families come back to the farm as well because. Lately, it's been so attractive for younger people to come back, me as well, um, to the farm and actually work on the family farm or within the region anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a it's a great helping hand. And um, yeah, like I said, the, the work-life balance is becoming quite huge. So hopefully can can help with that as well. Absolutely. So for Byfields on the website, is there a place we can go to see more about what the budget meant for farmers? Um, any resources that we can lean on? Yeah, so we we recently set out a, sent out a newsletter um, outlining the budget and what that means, um, so, and that will be on our website if anybody wants to have a look at that, or if they contact Byfields, we can email them a copy. Amazing. And how can we get in touch with yourself, Lee, and the team there at Byfields? What's the best way? 
Um, so I'm based in the Narragin office. So if anyone's in the region and they want to call in, that's fine. Um, but obviously we're on the website, LinkedIn, um, Facebook and um, yeah, telephone as well. Beautiful. And you'll be able to catch it all in the show notes. And I've actually been made aware that this is our last Beyond the Tax Return episode for 2022. Pretty scary. Yeah, I think the year's almost done, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, wound up really quick. Well, Lee, thank you so much for coming on, showing your time to see what the budget meant, the labour budget meant for Australian farmers out there. I think there's a little bit in this episode that farmers can take away from that. Uh, maybe for the younger families out there, parental leave um, might be a good thing for them to have a think about. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks for having us on the podcast. We've really enjoyed the year. Um, I know the guys got really excited and I think our clients are listening too. So, And obviously in the communities, which we enjoy. Amazing. I'll have to update the figures there for Shane to give you who's got the most listens within the office. <laughs> After blackmail some people. <laughs> This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmswise podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.